What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Warning. This show contains adult political themes and language. Liberals and little children should cover their ears. Welcome to Liberty Never Sleeps, where negativity never sounded so good. Now here's your host, Thomas Purcell. Morning and welcome to Liberty Never Sleeps. Make sure to follow the show at our website at libertyneversleeps.com where you can find links to us on all the social media sites including Parlor and MeWe. Don't forget to subscribe to the show also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite streaming device. We're a crowdfunded show. If you'd like to see ad-free content and video of the show, check out our website and merchandise shop at patreon.com. Good morning. Georgia elections. They're going on right now as I'm taping. But it looks like the Democrats are going to win Georgia. I know that as of this taping, which is about 9 o'clock at night in Arizona time, that the Republicans are ahead in both elections. But you know, I know, everybody knows they're going to steal it. They're going to have a whole bunch of illegal ballots come in at 2 or 3 a.m. And all of a sudden, it's going to look like, oh, the Democrats won. I know I'm going to talk about it today. And I talked about it, a length about it. But I got to tell you, I knew this was going to come. I knew it. But I, I'll put that aside a second. Just We got so much to talk to today. We're reaching a critical point in America. Where the America that we grew up in has changed into a different country. We have reached the point of no return with this election. The Democrats are probably going to win the Senate. I, I, maybe a miracle will happen and I'll wake up tomorrow and they'll declare the Republicans winner. But I, 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 re I recognized this a couple days ago when Mitch McConnell came out and goes, oh, there'll be, be no $2,000 check for some sort of half-assed reason. There was no reason other than, oh, we're going to convince the American people that this is the, a wrong move and then send millions and billions overseas to other countries. I knew it was lost. We've reached a point of no return. Our entire Congress is corrupt. Oh, there's individuals that are still conservatives in my mind. There are certain individuals in the House of Representatives and, and Senate, but they are so few and far between, nothing will save us now at this point. And you have to, and I, I said to you a, a few weeks ago when Trump lost the election, I said the only way they're going to be able to prove election fraud is if they get the people who committed the fraud to, can, to change their minds and elect Trump be president. Because they have decided, the establishment, 
Trump was not going to be the president no matter what. They changed election law. We'll talk about that too. But America itself has changed. I was thinking about this. I was last night or tonight, I should say. I was watching a old Charles Kuralt special from 1982. I posted to my personal Facebook about a mall outside of Kansas City and the new mall super centers that were going up everywhere in the country, like Mall of America. Uh, in this particular case, I believe it was Oak Creek Mall, it was called. And these stores had like 150 stores in them. You know what? Malls, giant malls, super malls, regional super center malls is what they were calling them at the time. I don't know if they still do. And I was saying to myself, it wasn't just an election that changed America. America was changing because the life that people were talking about, this was an hour long special. They were interviewing people that were working, living, shopping in the mall, the customers, the employees, everybody. Great Charles Corral, the great Charles Corral did it for CBS. And the way the people were talking, both the shoppers and the employees and the maintenance from the maintenance people on up to the executives had a different view of what life was than generations today. And I, I don't know when it was a, if there was a distinct time that it changed or whether it was a gradual change. Malls around this country are dead. And with it, so is America, middle America. One of the things that I thought was remarkable was an interview with the, one of the security guards of all people. And he, the Kuralt or the interviewer was asking, well, what is it that you think that people find so enjoyable in these malls? Because this mall was packed, right? It wasn't even Christmas time. People walking everywhere, shopping. Kids were at the video arcade. People were in the food court. When he asked him, well, what do you think that, you know, every, he was asking the question to everybody and everybody had their own insight. And he said, well, people feel safe here. People were tired of the urban decay and didn't like going downtown to go shopping and didn't like shopping in the rain and the cold. But he said something really interesting. He said, I, he says, I, I think they were looking for more cultural harmony than they could find anywhere else. And I thought about that a second and I realized that's what I actually really what was going on. People wanted to shop with other people that were like them, that wanted the same things in life, wanted the home in the suburbs, wanted a comfortable, safe environment in which to raise their kids. And they weren't getting it in downtown cities. Not anymore. And this was in 82. And that functionally has changed in America, believe it or not. More people are now commuting into the cities for jobs with higher technology jobs. They're reinventing downtowns, regentrifying them. And people, because of services like Amazon and other changes in our culture, no longer feel that need. They can do their business out of their home. They can buy their stuff on their home. And it, it, when you think about it, it's the same reason. The reason that our that malls are dead 
were the same reason why downtowns were dying in 1982. People weren't feeling safe anymore in malls. People weren't feeling comfortable anymore. They didn't want to deal with the hustle. They didn't want to deal with the bustle. They didn't want to deal with the crowds. COVID came along at just the right time, if you want to talk of it that way. People just didn't want to go out in the mall and risk exposure to disease. They didn't want to risk exposure to mall shootings. You remember all that going on? That was not too long ago. And so on, as all of these things piled up, people today still want that. And now they can only find solace in their home. I, I mean, my, I went through a redecorate here to make my lifestyle more comfortable too. It's for the same reasons. I felt more comfortable here. I, I bought and sold things on the internet. I did my business. I work out of the home. So does my better half. And that functionally changed in America from socializing with other people to now socializing what? Online. And I thought to myself, this is why America is changing. And that systemic change, what killed malls, what killed urban suburbanization, which focused everyone on themselves, living in their home, that the smartphones, the technology that we have today, has allowed that kind of selfish behavior in government to flourish, which is why the Democrats are winning elections, in essence. And you have to understand, we've reached that point where we've crossed the Rubicon. You know, you've heard this expression before. I don't know if you have or you haven't. It's called crossing the Rubicon. It, it was a moment when, when Julius Caesar marched across the Rubicon River. Actually, the, the moment actually happened when Sulla came from the north. He didn't actually cross the Rubicon River, but it's the same expression. Roman general marched into the city and essentially reestablished the Republic, but in doing so, ended up destroying Rome because it established a precedent of a Roman general using his military power to seize power and in essence enabled an emperor to rise to power and that's what happened. Julius Caesar then marched across the Rubicon, then it was Crassus and then it was Pompey and then it was etc. until Augustus Octavian completely consolidated power in one position with bureaucratic reforms. And it was only a matter of time after that before the empire. Oh yeah, it took a couple hundred years. But we've reached that point now. Our culture has changed so dramatically that our leadership is actually openly considering that. And we're, we're, we'll talk about that with, with DC and the Proud Boys March next. But I thought it was important to talk about it today because, you know, most people, they, they say, oh gosh, the mall is dead. They don't go to malls anymore, but they don't recognize the significance of that. It isn't just that Macy's isn't going to be around anymore, that Dillard's isn't going to be around, that Sears, JCPenney, that's not it. Because businesses rise and fall all the time. I remember when they said Kmart was going to run the retail world and it didn't. No, there's a cultural change that's going on, a sociological change an economic change that's going on that functionally enables the kind of corruption that is going on in government and functionally is making people who were largely disenfranchised multiply and now have an influence in a society and are draining us dry. That's really what's going on. 
Because as all of those people who worked in these stores who were at minimum wage are no longer 16 and 17 year olds working their way through college. These were people who were now making a career of burger flipping. And when those jobs started to dry up, malls shut down, all of these people now become dependent on who? Government came to the rescue and that's how we lost our country. It's a subtle change. It's a dynamic change. It can change back. But I don't see how. And I don't see America going forward through this without a lot of tears. A lot of bad stuff. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Before we recognize that change. Before we come to the realization that there were sociological and economic changes that functionally made dependent people on government. And unless we return to a non-dependent lifestyle, it's not going to change. Not without serious upheaval, which may be coming. I know I got a little serious, but I, it was something that just hit me. And I had to open the show with it. You know, Tanya Roberts, I was reading this story, and I was I watching the, this show on the malls. And I suddenly popped up on my notifications that Tanya Roberts is still dead. And I go, what? What? Wait a minute. I thought she's alive. And they go, no, she actually died today, but not yesterday. They just were a little early on it with the publicist. And I said, did Tanya Roberts vote in the Georgia elections? They didn't want to announce that she was dead this early. She actually did die a few days ago, but they wanted to keep her alive until her vote counted in Georgia. I, I don't know. It, it's a suspicious mind that I, I've got. All the disenfranchised people are now in, in government. All of the people who are pedophiles, drunks, malcontents, plagiarists, Joe Biden, notorious for play. He, he didn't even get into the presidency once before because of the accusation of plagiarism. Kamala Harris telling a story about her kid, which is identical to a story that Martin Luther King used to tell. And she said, oh, it was so great when my child said freedom. That's the same story Martin Luther King used to tell. As a matter of fact, it's a famous story. And as a matter of fact, Harris has repeated it multiple times. And yet, she's now in the White House. This is not a person who's the best and the brightest amongst us. This is not a person who was ever vetted properly by the mainstream media. Freedom. I don't find that cute. I don't find it cute for her to repeat a story from Martin Luther King, of all people. I mean, if you've got to repeat a story, don't repeat a story that's, that's as famous as that one. And everyone laughs and everyone giggles, but no one challenges her on it. And it's a famous story. And yet, here we are. These are the people that are going to be running our lives because this is, and that's what's insidious. It's not just they're going to run the government. I, you know, when Clinton got elected, it was like, oh, well, He's running the government. I'm not happy about it. I think his policy decisions are bad, but oh well. I moved on with my life. I continued my job. I didn't get too upset about it. But now they run your life. They tell you what health care you can have. They tell you where you can go, what you can do. What rights you have, what rights you don't have. And if, you, if they don't like the way your state or what you've done, they'll just seize it. By saying there's a disease out there and we can do this because we have the authority to do it by law. 
state legislatures are not meeting. Governors are just imprisoning people. They're talking about New York. Well, let's just ship everybody off in a boxcar and give them a shot. And they're serious about it. And no one's quite, nobody's going nuts on, on, on TV. I can't find anybody going nuts about this. Should be. That kind of culture shock is now hitting America and we're just willing to live with it. These are the people who are going to be deciding your life. People who are plagiarizing, telling bogus stories, people who are mentally, physically incompetent, people who grope children and women, people who are heavy drinkers and can't stand up in front of a podium without their teeth falling out on it. These are the people we've put in charge. Let's talk about Georgia next. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No, I didn't want to get too negative. It was like, but we've crossed a, a, a threshold which can't come back and it doesn't america can come back i mean as far as republicans are concerned and conservative politics, yeah it can come back but it's not going to come back unless a whole lot of people are going to suffer first and that's what i mean about crossing the rubicon because that's what happened sulla julius caesar oh yeah the republic was restored after sulla marched across and in, into the city of rome but what happened afterwards was a disaster to Rome. And the average Roman citizen in, in a post-Sulla world, in a post-Julius Caesar world, still had a pretty good life. They, they did still doing well. That's what I'm telling you now. It's like our lives will still go on. The country will still go on. But the inevitability of what you've done with this defraudulent with these fraudulent elections and and the and the balloting the way we're handling balloting where you just mail out a ballot to anyone and they can just cross off an x and throw it in and nobody can verify that's that's the end of your country in the, in the long run and i just don't know how long it'll take whether it'll be 10 years or 100 i, I don't know in rome it took a couple hundred years before the official fall when alaric marched into the city and burned it to the ground and honorius was the emperor. I think that was 404, 407. I think. You'd have to you'd have to double check me on that. And and Sulla was eighty BC. 
and then was followed by see augustus was i think like 20 or 30 a.d so it was about 400 years for Rome. although people were suffering as as early as 250 with commodus and whatnot that'll probably happen to america my i think it'll be a little faster with america with technology being what it is and communication and travel being what it is it'll probably happen quicker but now it's inevitable it's going to happen I mean, look at what's going on in Georgia. In ordinary circumstances, when I'm looking at these counts, when you look at the counties, you know, which one's a Republican one and which one are blue one, you're going to see these two guys get elected, these two Democrats, with the fewest amount of counties in Georgia history. You watch. That's how it'll play out. I'm watching the counties, and it's like all red, except for the cities. Now, you can't tell me that isn't a cultural change that the cities are now going so overwhelming Democrat. And then, of course, why is it that way? Because there's so many mailing ballots that were mailed to those addresses. And who knows who's filling them out or for what reason or how it's being handled or whether they're even American citizens or not. You don't know because they were just mailed to an address and anybody could be at the other end of that and could be dropping it in the mailbox. You don't even know if they're mailed to an address and then they're gathered up and sent to a boiler room operation and then dropped in a mail, you have no idea. You have no way to trace it, no way to track it. This, this election should have been over in November, on November 5th, but it's not. It continued on with runoff elections and runoff. How is it? Because this is, here's, what's, here's the thing. This is one of those statistical anomalies that is going to happen and you're going to say, well, obviously it's fraud and you'll never prove it in court. Look, these two candidates face each other on November 5th. And the Republican candidates won by a slim margin. The, the difference was if it has to be a certain percentage for them to be elected and then it goes to a runoff and then the two highest vote getters, the Republican and the Democrat vote. So wait a second. Are you telling me that libertarian voters, in order for, for the Republican to lose, the libertarian voter would have either not had to vote or then took their vote and then put it into the Democrat carrier rather than the Republican carrier? Are you telling me the libertarians went Democrat in this election? I'm, ne I'm never going to believe that. That's what I say about statistical anomalies. You, you compare, when this is all done in a, in a few days, when you compare the Georgia vote from now on January, what is it, 5th, January 6th, to the November 5th election, you're going to find huge statistical anomalies. Stuff like more votes for the Democrat than were in the, in the November election and less votes for the Republican or that kind of thing, or almost identical, the same vote. And you're going to go, well, how did that happen? How did all these, that cuz? Look. You're never going to prove, and I told you this back in November, you're never going to prove election fraud. You're never going to get a court for a lot of reasons. Because the very people who are counting the ballots, the very people in charge, are the ones you would have to go to to provide you the evidence to prove that there's fraud. So they're not going to do that. They're going to come up with every excuse in the book about why it's legal. Then you have the second problem. The election changes in the law. You have four states, and Mark Levin does a great speech on this. And yeah, you know, somebody sent me this, and I watched it, and he, he was dead bang on. And he was he was more specific, and he said basically the same thing I did: that the election itself, the ballots itself, 
the concept of mail-in ballots, where they just mail them out to an address, somebody fills it out, assumedly the voter, and then they mail it back in, and then it's counted as a legal vote, is unconstitutional because those election changes were made without input from the state legislatures. But it's legal. And so therefore the courts are going to uphold it. Because why? Well, because the laws in that state are being upheld by state election officials, not by state legislatures. All four of the states had Republican legislatures. All four changed their election law outside the rules of the state legislatures. They changed the rules to make it more beneficial, to make it easy to make a fraudulent vote legal. And that's the problem. They keep counting the votes. Well, naturally, the count's always going to be the same because the ballots are there. It's just that who filled them out? That's my issue. And the only way for the United States Supreme Court, who should have the final say in this, the only way that Donald Trump is going to get this election reversed is for the state Supreme Courts to turn over the cases to the federal Supreme Court, the federal Supreme Court to say, hey, listen, these mail-in ballots where you just mailed it out to an address, somebody filled that out and it went back, that's unconstitutional and therefore all must be thrown out. Well, you do that, then maybe he has a chance. But that was never going to happen. The Supreme Court was never going to do that. They were never going to be that daring and that bold. That would have been judicial activism to the umpteenth level. And so I knew it wasn't going to happen. Levin does a better explanation of it. He explains it. You know, he, he's very good at that. He goes into all the details of Monroe and the discussion of a popular vote and how it could be altered and whatnot. And the Republican senators that are going to stand up tomorrow and, and, and January 6th, I believe, and say, no, these election results have to be decertified because the courts haven't ruled on these I, okay, I understand, I get it, but you understand this, it's a futile effort. Constitutionally, it would be potentially dangerous. Because then, what would happen? Well, then, in the future, so if the Democrats control the Senate, or the House, or, or both, they could simply challenge any Republican candidate for president, and say, well, you know what, this is unconstitutional because this rule change and that rule change, and essentially keep a president in office ad infinitum. So it, it presents a constitutional crisis. Can it be done? Yeah, yeah, it's possible. If you get enough senators, if you get enough congressmen to say and to, to say that the ballot itself was defraudulent and it was a defrauded election and therefore unconstitutional and therefore the election should be reversed, but then it throws it into the House and then the whole House has to vote. It's just a big mess. And nobody's willing to do that because if you do that, the cities will burn. Millions will die. You know it and I know it. Let's, let's face it. If a court, even the Supreme Court, steps in and reverses the election, millions are going to die. And, I, and I, really, I honestly do not know what's worse. And I, I, that's why I say we're at that point where, where Caesar has crossed the Rubicon. And I don't know what Trump will do when he's faced with the fact that the Senate has been lost to the Democrats. I don't know. I honestly don't know. He is the kind of man, he is a loose cannon who will do anything. And it worries me. Not that he wouldn't be wrong in doing whatever he would do. I'm just saying, you understand, 
that it could be very, very bad in this country for a lot of reasons. And, and if it does, it's going to get very bad worldwide. Economic chaos, military chaos, essentially a brokered civil war. And I don't know if that would save the republic at this point. I don't know what's coming for America. And so, you know, when you reach this point, at some point, what happens is, is with the powder keg and the way it is, people are camped out on either side. People are so entrenched with their ideology because they're so polar opposite. When you have this kind of cultural and sociological change that I talked about, when you have that kind of friction, it's like a powder keg. It's like we're standing in a room of barrels of gunpowder locked up and there's gunpowder in the air and some kid in the corner is playing with matches. That's what it's like right now. And then you're just holding your breath, hoping that the kid runs out of matches before the whole fucking thing goes up. And we're faced at that point. And, and, and I think a trigger point, a potential trigger point, is some of the stuff that's going on in cities and also some of the protests that are going on. Not that I'm opposed to protests, but you understand. When they get on the scale that's now occurring, that's happening this week in D.C., and the response is what it is, you have a potentially disastrous moment. We'll talk about that next. We'll be back. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's talk about D.C. first before we get to Kenosha, Wisconsin. You got a lot of people that are very upset about this election. They feel their country is being stolen from them, and justifiably so. The group called Proud Boys is in Washington, D.C. The Washington, D.C. leader of the Proud Boys was arrested a few days ago, and he's been told now to stay out of D.C. They released him from, from arrest because they really didn't have anything on him. They were just trying to delay and prevent his entry into this in a potentially volatile situation, which is this. You have a lot of people from all over the country massing because the Senate and Congress is going to certify President-elect Biden as the official president of the United States come January 20th. 
it's a potentially volatile situation because of the crowds, not necessarily because of the ideology. I'm not saying that people who support Trump or Antifa or BLM is any more violent than another. I don't want to go down that path. There are all kinds of individuals that have all kinds of agendas, and some may be violent, some may not be. And I don't want to put it on any one particular group at this point. Not at this point. And I will tell you, when there's that many people gathered together who are that much outraged at what's going on, again, sociological, cultural changes, the fact that an uncertified, uncertifiable, in my opinion, election is going to go forward and be allowed to be the determining law on who the next president is. You're going to have a lot of outraged people. It has nothing to do with them carrying guns or anything like that. Expressing your Second Amendment right is not a violent act. What happens is when you get that many people together, then you get other people who are going to rally them scream on the microphone, get them charged up, start waving signs. And invariably, there are going to be people that are going to be on the other side of that argument. And they are going to be charged up too. Because they feel, and this is, this is the thing that you have to realize, there are people on the left that think that people who say the election is stolen are crazy, are out of their minds, and so forth. Because they only have, most of those people, you know how Rush Limbaugh calls them low-information voters? Believe that the authorities, the election officials, that their, their state officials are legitimate, are presenting a, that, that that election, that 80 million votes is legitimate. They believe that. They're going to be on the other side, and they're going to say, hey, these guys are trying to establish a dictatorship. They're trying to establish their own government. They're trying to prevent democracy. Just as the Roman people did when Sulla marched in to Rome. Hey, he's trying to establish a military dictatorship. Sulla's intent, and this is important, you go, I go through this with you because you have to understand the, the, the context of it. Sulla was a Roman general who saw the same problems that are going on now. Corruption in the Senate, votes cast, changed, senatorial power being brokered for sale. And so he marched in with his army and he said, nope, enough of that. Executed a lot of people, horrific time, put people in jail and restored the republic and then retired from generalship. But what happened was it established what? Outside extra-constitutional, which was the Roman constitution at the time, extra-constitutional authority. And what's going on with Congress and it's validation of when, in my opinion, are invalid election results because of what I said. Not because people didn't vote or, or what, but because unverified ballots are being verified. You have a similar situation. And I don't know what will happen. And, and effectively, when you have that many people that are in Washington and that upset, it's effectively the same thing as Sulla marching into Washington, D.C. The American people now which were coalesced behind Donald Trump in an anti-establishment movement, have now started to rise up and say, no, enough of this. And the COVID thing hasn't helped matters, as well as other changes in culture, society, as I was talking about. And with that kind of friction, somebody is going to do something stupid, and the government, because they've now ordered National Guardsmen, Army troops, 
to guard the city of Washington, D.C. If that happens, somebody does something stupid and shooting starts and a whole lot of people die, you won't be able to go back at all. It'll be like Boston Massacre 2.0. There will be accusations of brutality on the U.S. military. There will be National Guardsmen accused of murder. There will be individuals accused of murder, of individuals of insurrection, of rebellion. They were already talking like that now on social media, saying the people who feel that this election was stolen or mischaracterized, that they're rebellious, they're treasonous. Exercising your due process rights is not treasonous. And we can't allow a courtroom to be the arbiter of our truth. Otherwise, you put the Supreme Court in charge of what our government should be. No, it has to play out in the way that it does. And whatever the chips fall, wherever they may, that's how we're going to have to live with it. That's why I said a few weeks ago, when all this started, I said to you, I said, it's going to get a lot worse before it can get better. There are going to be a lot of tears shed in this country before we can correct the direction back to a republic. It's inevitable. There is no going back. You know, Joe Biden says, oh, we're going to heal America. I'm going to be a healing president. There's no way he can be. Because he's the very head point of the problem. People re uh, are, are angry about his election. Him simply being in that office is enough to anger many people. He can't be a healing Instead, it should have been, both political parties should have come together and said, okay, there's some issues with this election. Let's find out the truth. Let's slow the process down. Let's audit the returns. Let's examine them. Let's count. That's what we did in the Gore-Bush election. Everybody slow down. Let's count the ballots. Let's see. Let's see how it was done. Let's do an audit of these Dominion voting machines. Let's examine how these laws in these states were changed by election officials rather than state legislatures. And let's put everything up on the table. No one got any cards up their sleeve. And then we'll make a decision and then everybody will be satisfied, right and left, about who is the president. But we didn't do that, did we? We said, oh, you'll never prove fraud. And the president coming out, Trump, who's tweeting every day, oh, the election was stolen. Well, you can't see that. You have to say, well, let the lawyers handle it. Let's, and I try to tell people this. But we're now at a point where literally tens of thousands of people are waving flags and banging signs in order to get their way in Washington, and it's not going to make a damn bit of difference. A bunch of Republicans will stand up and say, no, the election should not be certified. They will be shouted down in Congress, and that will cause even more anger. Pelosi will prevent people from speaking. They are already talking about some never-Trumper taking up time in the hour allotted to discuss this matter, which means that many people will not be heard, will not have the truth come out. And that will cause more friction and constant conflict in this country for the next four years or longer.
That's why, you know, we're, we're at the point where you can't go back. The car is already over the cliff, folks. I, I, it's like I knew the Georgia election was lost the minute Mitch McConnell said, oh, well, you know, you're not going to get the money that Donald Trump wanted to give you. We're going to we're gonna go ahead and we're going to spend $15 billion on Broadway show tickets so that we can help out Broadway. If Broadway goes under, it goes under. There'll always be someone who wants to put on a play, okay? It goes under. This too-big-to-fail notion is driving us into oblivion. Oh, well, we got to send money to Pakistan. we got to send money to Israel. we got to send money to this and this and money. And, you know, we got to have 18 aircraft carriers, and we got to send them back into Iran because, you know, Iran's trouble. That's what's driving all this. Our dependency on government to fix every last little problem that exists in the world. The dependency of people who flip burgers for a living and don't have jobs or can't get jobs because governors have shut down the states and have no hope of ever getting a job because they have no skills. So they get their food stamps and they get their Medicaid. You can't, you can't get health care in this country without a health insurance policy. When did that happen? People used to pay their own way in life, and it isn't like that isn't that doesn't exist anymore. We shuffle off our elderly to homes instead of taking care of them ourselves. Homeless people, we build shelters for them instead of allowing developers to build houses. This is America now. The cultural change is what's changing America. What's driving this? We have functionally abandoned the very idea of Americanism. No work, no eat. That's what it should have been. That's what it's always been. People marched across this country in wagon trains, suffered terribly, took enormous risks to build this nation. Immigrant and, and, and citizen as well. I want to point that out. People came here to be part of that. To become Americans. You know, I was seeing a congressman stand up the other day, taking the oath of office. Proud to be a Korean American in some sort of native Korean gown. What the fuck is that? You should be proud to be an American. Oh, I'm going to put away my cultural heritage and I'm going to be proud to be American. Can you imagine? I'm, I, I'm Irish. I don't, I don't make any secret of that. Can you imagine if I went up there in traditional Irish garb and said, I am an Irishman now in the American Congress? It would have been stupid. I'm proud to be an American. No one says abandon your heritage, but at the same time, you should be proud that you have come from a country that is still divided to this day. And you're going to make a better life. You're going to bring the best elements of Korea to here. Not establish a Korean democracy. And people don't get that. People don't understand that. And all of that is coming to a head in D.C. in the next few days. There's that many people there. And the D.C. mayor has ordered the National Guard and supported by the, the governor there to, to order National Guard into the streets of Washington, D.C. When Donald Trump tried to do it, and deal with Antifa and BLM, they said, oh, he's calling out stormtroopers. These guys are saying now, oh, it's okay. It's okay for the army to be in the streets of our capital? 
What are you out of your mind? It's bad enough in other cities, but in the nation's capital? I was opposed to it when Trump walked across the street to Lafayette Park. Can you imagine with all of those protesters active that are going to be there? What kind of horrible thing could happen? We got to move on. I got to talk about Kenosha next. We'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, it's like the entire country is hell-bent on self-destruction. It really, I mean, it really is. It's like, I, every time I open the news, I go, what, are you crazy? Hey, are you fucking mind? All right, here's the situation. Kenosha, Wisconsin, a black man gets shot in the back seven times fleeing officers. They say he had a gun, was firing back at them, whatever. He was shot in the back seven times. Now look, when you look at this, when you look at it from a factual point of view, it doesn't matter if he was shot seven times. If the police officer was authorized to shoot once, he's authorized to shoot seven times. doesn't matter how many times. But that being said, you understand when you see that kind of a situation where a guy's laid out like that, it's easy to make the argument, oh, there was police brutality. It doesn't matter if the guy was shooting or not. It doesn't matter if he was aiming back or whatever. The fact that there are seven bullets in his back suggests that something didn't go according to policy, that something wasn't right. I fully expected the AG to come out today in Kenosha and say, well, we've got to take a look. We've looked at this, all the evidence, and we can't prove that it's attempted murder or that it's racially motivated, but these officers violated policy, and we're going to go forward with an administrative review and charge them with whatever crime is appropriate. They didn't do that. The AG comes out and stands up in front of an audience and he's clearly pleased with more of himself than anything else. And he talks about and he pontificates wildly about, well, you have to consider that I'm not a black man and so I've never had a, a situation where I've been worried for my life when cops approach me. Yeah, well, that's because, you know, you're the fucking attorney general too. And you weren't fleeing officers who told you to flee or stop. And you probably weren't carrying a weapon. So that probably had something to do with it too. That being said, he decided to make this speech. And I know why he did. Because he knew. 
what he was going to say next. And I knew when he said that, he said, well, you know, I don't, I go, uh-oh, here it comes. Oh, well, we can't, we have to look at the cases, what we can prove and what we can't prove. And I haven't talked with the parents of the person who was shot. Again, I'm not mentioning names, either the AG's name or the, the perpetrator's name or the policeman's name. I don't want to go down that road. And I haven't talked with his parents because I didn't want to get too close to the case. Why wouldn't you? What, what, what is it? Well, I wanted to make my decision based on the facts in a neutral kind of situation. I'm like, oh my God, just get to the point. I mean, it was the most ridiculous speech I've ever heard. Most idiotic speech I've ever heard. You have evidence to charge him with crime. Well, well, no, we don't. Then that's what needs to be said. And you need to say it in a forceful manner. You say, look, we've reviewed the videotapes and we've reviewed all the evidence and removed, reviewed all the testimony. And frankly, they didn't violate policy or they didn't violate the law. And so therefore, we're not going to charge them. <laughs> well, if you did it that way, you know what's going to happen. And you know what's going to happen anyway. They're going to go nuts in Kenosha. They were, they were going nuts before the AG was going to charge. Everyone assumed that they were going to charge these officers with murder, but I knew they wouldn't when they reviewed the facts. It's always these cases. What do you, what, what is the alternative that has been presented? And to, to give, I, I want to give the, the authorities in Wisconsin some, some credibility. What, what, where would you go with this case that you don't lose? Any, if you charge the officers with a murder or manslaughter or attempted murder or, or attempted manslaughter, you're going to have a difficult time proving it. So you don't want to go to court. But if you don't go to court, everyone goes nuts. And then if you go to court and they get off, which is what happens. So many of these officers, when, they, when a jury looks at it, they look at all the evidence and they go, oh, well, this guy didn't, he didn't commit you know, murder. He didn't commit attempted murder. It wasn't a racial or hate crime or whatever. And they let the officers go free and the town goes nuts again. So, the, you know, it's like, what do you, where do you go with this? You've got a situation where there are vast amounts of people in this country that will not accept authority from local law enforcement. That's what the bottom line is. People who don't obey commands People have no respect for the law, no respect for their fellow man. And I, I don't want to put this on any one group of people. This happens white, black, Asian. There are a lot of people in this country that just go around doing whatever they want and don't give a rat's ass of the consequences, prison, death, or whatever. I see it all the time, even with, even with people who are fairly conservative. Oh, well, you know, they don't, those cops don't have a right to stop you. You have a right to carry a weapon or you have... Wait a second. They're law enforcement. Their job is not judging a case. Their job is they observe something and they're going to stop you and they're going to arrest you. And it's your job to simply say, okay, I'll let the lawyers handle it. To be respectful of police and their authority. Nobody does that anymore. Nobody has any respect for authority. White, black, Asian, Hispanic, whatever. And as a result, cops are now resorting to shooting people. Because they don't have any other choice. And you know why? Because half of them are undersized, underweight, and under-trained and under-supplied with equipment. So what happens is the, the perpetrator gets violent, gets disrespectful. They try to arrest him. There's a confrontation and people get injured or killed. And it's happening more and more and more. Because what, 
what kind of situation, what do you do if you're a police officer and somebody is belligerent with you? You try to calm them down, but ultimately there's going to be an altercation. And since you have lethal weapons at your disposal, you don't want them used against you, you have no choice but to resort to lethal force or such force at which an accident happens or becomes lethal. And you, the person, the perpetrator may be in an altered state too from alcohol or drugs or worse. And that's the situation we have faced, and that's why things are going from bad to worse. It's not racial hatred. It's not poorly trained officers. These are all just contributing factors. What the real problem is, is the respect and lack of authority. That we're putting people in jobs in difficult situations, and bad things are happening, and then we're holding them accountable for it. What do you expect's going to happen? When, someone, when an officer is confronted with someone and you're belligerent, potentially armed and dangerous, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to lose every time. And now people are taking to filming things with cell phones because there's cameras everywhere. A policeman goes to arrest somebody. Guy goes, there's 18,000 people surround with cameras. So naturally the person, the perpetrator, gets even more belligerent. Well, I see all these cameras around. I can do whatever I want. And then something tragic happens. Like someone getting shot in the back at seven times. And you can't tell me there has to be, there has to be some consequences for that. And you can't tell me that that should be just walked away. I don't, I'm not suggesting that it's murder. I'm just saying something's not right. Somebody has to be accountable and no one is. No one's accountable for anything. Not from Hillary Clinton on down to the, to the average police officer on, on the beat. We're constantly passing the buck. And then we expect government to fix it all. And guess what happens? Everybody killing each other. It's like, I mean, it, it, shit rolls downhill. When Hillary Clinton was standing, and this, I, this is relevant, folks. When Hillary Clinton was sitting on a, on a House panel, and they were asking her about Benghazi, she says, well, I'm responsible. I, it's my responsibility. Well, how were you held accountable? Did you lose your job? Did, were you rejected from public office? Were you barred? Did you make restitution in any way to the families of the Benghazi Four? Nope. Government will fix it. Don't worry about it. It goes downhill, folks. And what happens is attorney generals, like in Wisconsin, are now subject to what? Crowd control. I can't say this. I can't do this because the crowds will go nuts. The mob will burn the cities down. So I have to do it this way. Instead of doing things appropriately. That's called bullying. That's called intimidation. Those are the tools of a fascist. That's why I'm so vocal about Black Lives Matter and Antifa and any other group that does this against violence. Because what happens is when you promote and you condone violence in your society, then the institutions that keep society held together fall apart. Because then they begin to make decisions based on, hey, I can't do this or I can't do that because the mob will go crazy. The cities will burn down. And then they don't stop the mobs from doing it. Everyone stands back. Oh, it'll burn itself out. 
And businesses, homes, lives are destroyed. And nothing gets any better from the families that are injured. That's a tragedy all the way around. Everyone. From the people's businesses that are going to be burned out in Kenosha or have been burned out. It's just, it's sad. I mean, look at George Floyd with the guy with the knee on his neck. You can't tell me that that's in any way okay. But the answer is not burning down a city. And I don't know what the answer is. And that's why I say we've, we've reached that point. We've crossed the Rubicon. There's no going back. At least not in the near term. People have to learn things the hard way. Unfortunately, sadly, history has always proven that. That a nation has to do things the hard way for the people to learn from their mistakes. Need to move forward. I got to talk one last thing about our self-destructive nature. We'll be right back. Oh, I'm almost out of time. Have you seen? I got my new, a new Death Star cup. This is a smaller Death Star cup. <laughs> I like I like science fiction. I like comic books. I'm not ashamed of it. You know, I had this discussion with a family member. Why Why do you get into the all the? You know, you're at an age where you should be growing up, right? You should be grown up and not talk about Star Wars or Star Trek or, you know, I, I love. I got Batman posters. I, I you can't see it. I've got movie posters. I got Batman, Indiana Jones, Star Wars. You know, I use this as a, a, a an entertainment room, man cave, library. I I prefer study. It's a better word than, than man cave. It's just man cave's the trendier word. But you know, you should be who you are. If you like watching those movies, if you enjoy talking about them, then do that. Do so. You know, I I never, I never believed in living your life for someone else. You know, people say, well, you have all these degrees and whatnot. And, you know, you see them in the back there. Well, why, why do you talk about this stuff? Why, why are you, you know, indulging yourself in Lord of the Rings, you know, watching a marathon of all four movies? I go, because I enjoy it. Be, be who you are. You know? Live your life for yourself. You know, a lot of people today don't live their lives for themselves. They live their lives based on what others think is okay. I was watching a video of a woman on a bus. She had two masks on, the cloth mask and the plastic mask, one of those. You know, one of those psychotic women. I say it's lysine deficiency from being a vegan, but that's another story for another day. And she was upset that someone was drinking coffee and not had a mask on. And she goes, well, I have 60,000 Twitter followers. Like, who gives a fuck? And, that, and, I, and I thought about that a second. I mean, she's a fucking lunatic. Screaming and yelling at people. Phone with the phone. With the phone. I just, you know, when somebody does that shit, it just drives me wild. I don't even own a, a smartphone. 
phone. And she goes, I got 60,000 Twitter followers. Who the fuck cares? You know, I could have 60,000 people tweet me and say, oh, I'm a terrible person because they talk like I do. Oh, you used the bad language, or you, you talked about women in a certain way, or talked about Asians in a certain way, or Spanish, whatever. I don't give a fuck. I really don't. The only thing that should matter, the only thing that matters to me, and the only thing that should matter to you, is what you think of yourself. And when I would say to somebody screaming like that, it's somebody else, and they're all the, stop worrying about somebody else's behavior. Worry about your own. If you're upset and you're wearing a mask and, you, and you're upset that someone else is, what are you worried about him for? Just stay away from him. Go away. Walk the other way. Stay the other end of the bus. And that's really the focus of liberalism. They are always worried and up everyone else's ass. It's not enough that they won't eat bacon cheeseburgers. You can't either. It's not enough that they drive an electric car and don't drive an SUV. You can't either. Control. Constantly worrying what other people think about themselves. I'm worried about what he'll think of me when I do this. I'm worried about what he thinks of me. I'm worried about what she's doing. Stop that. Worry about yourself. Do you think it's dangerous to be on a bus without a mask? Okay, that's fine. I get it. I understand completely. Don't go on the bus. Or go on the bus only when there's certain people that are on it. Oh, there's people with no mask. I'll wait for the next one. No, you can't do that. Everyone's always worried about anything else. Stop that. That's self-destructive behavior. That's what breaks down society. That's what, what I call a damn self-destructive lunatic. And you avoid that person. And I don't know why the people on the bus even engage this lunatic. You know what I would have done? I just go, let's pull the, pull the cord, get off the bus. Fuck it. I, it's not worth it. It's not worth it getting into a situation and then the whole thing goes viral and then somebody gets a hair up of their ass at your work and you get fired for it. Or what, what are you doing? Like the people, you know, the, that, that gun on their cell phone and they go, a black man is across the street and so I'm going to call 911 because he's a crook. What are you worried about him for? What are you, what are you, why are you calling 911? You know when I call 911? When I'm, somebody's on my property fucking with me. That's when I call 911. I call 911 to call the meat wagon in to pick up the body off my hall floorway because he broke into my house. That's when I call 911. Not when, oh, he's not wearing a mask. Oh, they're not serving me a bacon cheeseburger at McDonald's. They say they don't have any more and won't give me my money back. You know, that kind of stuff. Stop being a lunatic. We're out of time. Again. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I got a nice letter from a, from a, a listener, and I, I just want to briefly mention it. I got a really nice listener uh, letter that said, "Hey, I'm really enjoying your show." And they said, "You know, you've you've kind of made some changes, and I'm really enjoying it. I I like listening to you for." I said, "That's good. Even if you don't agree with me, do you enjoy the show? That's what it's here for. You know. For those of you who donate too, I I appreciate that. I, but I, I most importantly." Just, I want you to enjoy yourself for the time that you listen to the show. If you have fun, you like hearing me talk, and you like the jokes that I make or the things that I say, and you get a chuckle out of it, good. Because there's a lot of tears coming ahead. And I want you to have some enjoyment in life. That Ultimately, that's what any entertainment, and that's what this is, is entertainment. 
Yeah, I agree with Tom. Oh no, that guy's saying all kinds of horrible things. People get entertainment under that. I do. So I, I want to say thank you for that letter. Because it made me feel good about what I do. And I like feeling good about myself. I don't care what other people think about me. I like the fact that I like my show myself. That's important. And you should be that way with your job too. Whatever it is. Okay? We're out of time for today. Take care, folks. Have a good one.